0: Until lunchtime, the next day, that is. Darla cut me off on my way to the library and dragged me over to her table instead. Have you seen the list? she asked. What list? The list of basket boys. She shoved a scrawled copy of 20 names in front of me and looked around. Your main dish is on it. Five from the top. There it was, Bryce Lasky. I should have expected it, but still, this awful surge of possessiveness shot through me. Who had voted for him? Out of 150 names, he must have gotten a lot of votes. Suddenly, I was picturing a swarm of girls waving stacks of cash in the booster ladies' faces as they begged to have lunch with him. I threw the list back at Darla and said, he's not my main dish. As a matter of fact, I didn't even vote for him. Ooh, girl, you are sticking to your diet. It's not a diet, Darla. I'm, I'm over him, okay? I'm glad to hear it, because rumor is that that Shelley Shelly has already staking her claim on him. Shelley. Shelley stalls? I could feel my cheeks flush. That's right. Darla waved her list in the air, calling, Liz, Macy, over here, I've got the list. Darla's friends fell all over themselves getting to her, then poured over the paper like it was a treasure map. Macy cried, Chad Ormond's on it, he is so cute. I would go ten bucks on him, easy, and Denny's on it too. Liz squealed, "That boy is!" She shivered and giggled. yi yine. Macy's top lip curled a little, and she said, "John Trulock, John Trulock. How did he get on this list?" For a moment, I couldn't believe my ears. I snatched the paper out of Macy's hand. Are you sure? Right there, she said, pointing to his name. Who do you suppose voted for him? The quiet girls, I guess, Darla said. Me, I'm more interested in Mike Abenito. Have I got any competition? Macy laughed. If you're in, I'm out. Me too, said Liz. How about you, Jules? Darla asked me. Bring in spare change on Friday? No. You get to miss the second half of school? No. I'm not bidding. Not on anyone. She laughed. Good for you. That afternoon, I rode home from school brooding about Bryce and the whole basketball auction. I could feel myself backsliding about Bryce. But why should I care if Shelley liked him? I shouldn't even be thinking about him. When I wasn't thinking about Bryce, I was worrying about poor John Trulock. He was quiet, and I felt sorry for him, having to clutch a basket and be auctioned off in front of the whole student body. What had I done to him? But as I bounced up our drive, basket boys bounced right out of my mind. Was that green I saw poking out of the dirt? Yes. Yes, it was. I dropped the bike and got down on my hands and knees. They were so thin, so small, so far apart. They barely made a difference in the vastness of the black dirt. And yet there they were pushing their way through to the afternoon sun. I ran in the house calling, Mom! Mom! There's grass! Really? She emerged from the bathroom with her cleaning gloves and a pail. I was wondering if it was ever going to spring up. Well, it has! Come! Come and see! She wasn't too impressed at first. But after I made her get down on her hands and knees and really look, she smiled and said, "'They're so delicate. "'They look like they're yawning, don't they?' She cocked her head a bit and looked a little closer. "'Yawning? "'Well, more stretching, I guess. "'Like they're sitting up in their little bed of dirt "'with their arms stretched way high, saying, "'Good morning, world!' She laughed and said, Yes, they do. I got up and uncoiled the hose. I think they need a wake-up shower, don't you? My mom agreed and left me to my singing and sprinkling. And I was completely lost in the joy of my little green blades of new life when I heard the school bus rumble to a stop up on Collier Street. Bryce... His name shot through my brain, and with it came a panic I didn't seem able to control. Before I could stop myself, I dropped the hose and dashed inside. I locked myself in my room and tried to do my homework. Where was my peace? Where was my resolve? Where was my sanity? Had they left me because Shelley Stalls was after him? Was it just some old rivalry making me feel this way? I had to get past Bryce and Shelley. They deserved each other. Let them have each other. But in my heart, I knew that just like the new grass, I wasn't strong enough yet to be walked on. And until I was, there was only one solution. I had to stay away from him. I needed to rope him out of my life. So I closed my ears to the news of basket boys and steered clear of Bryce at school. And when I did happen to run into him, I simply said hello like he was someone I barely even knew. It was working, too. I was growing stronger by the day. Who cared about auctions and basket boys? I didn't. Friday morning, I got up early, collected what few eggs there were in the coop, watered the front yard, which was by now definitely green, ate breakfast, and got ready for school. But as I was running a brush through my hair, I couldn't help thinking about Shelley Stalls. It was auction day. She'd probably been up since five, making her hair into some impossibly poofy dew. So what, I told myself. So what? But as I was throwing on my windbreaker, I eyed my money tin and hesitated. What if... No. No, no, no. I ran to the garage, got my bike, and pushed out of the driveway. And I was in the street and on my way when Mrs. Stoobie flew right in my path. "'Juliana!' she called, waving her hand through the air. "'Here, dear, take this. "'I'm so sorry it's taken me this long to get it to you. "'I keep missing you in the mornings.' "'I didn't even know how much she owed me. "'At that moment, I didn't care. "'All I knew was that the top bill in her hand was a ten, "'and it was striking terror in my heart. "'Mrs. Stuby, please, I... I don't want that. You don't have to pay me. Nonsense, child. Of course I'm going to pay you. Here, she said, and waved it out for me to take. No, really, I I don't want it. She wedged it in the pocket of my jeans and said, What utter nonsense. Now go. Go buy yourself a rooster. Then hurried back up her walkway. Mrs. Stoobie, Mrs. Steuby, I called after her. I don't want a rooster. But she was gone. All the way to school, Mrs. Steuby's money was burning a hole in my pocket and another in my brain. How much was it? When I got to school, I parked my bike, then broke down and looked. Ten 15, 16, 17, 18. I folded the bills together and slid them back into my pocket. Was it more than Shelly had? All through first period, I was furious with myself for even thinking it. All through second period, I kept my eyes off of Bryce. But oh, it was so hard. I'd never seen him in a tie and cufflinks before. Then, at break, I was at my locker when Shelly Stalls appeared out of nowhere. She got right next to me and said, I hear you're planning to bid on him. What? I took a step back. Who told you that? I am not. Someone said they saw you with a whole wad of cash this morning. How much do you have? It's, it's none of your business. And I'm not bidding, okay? I... I don't even like him anymore. She laughed. Oh, that'll be the day. It's true. I slammed my locker closed. Go ahead and waste your money on him. I don't care. I left her there with her mouth open, which felt even better than getting her in a headlock. That feeling carried me clear through to 11 o'clock when the entire student body assembled in the gymnasium. I was not going to bid on Bryce Losky, No way. Then the basket boys came out on the stage. Bryce looked so adorable holding a picnic basket with red and white checked napkins peeking out from either side. And the thought of Shelley Stalls flipping one of those napkins into her lap nearly made the bills in my pocket burst into flames. Darla came up behind me and whispered, Rumor is you've got a wad of cash. Is that true? What? No. I mean, yes, but I'm i not bidding. Ooh, girl, look at you. You feeling all right? I wasn't. I felt sick to my stomach and shaky in the knees. I'm fine, I told her. Fine. She looked from me to the stage and back to me. You got nothing to lose but your self-respect. Stop it, I whispered at her fiercely. It felt like I was having a panic attack. I couldn't breathe. I felt lightheaded and wobbly. ...like I wasn't in control of my own body. Darla said, maybe you should sit down. I'm fine, Darla. I'm fine. She frowned at me. I think I'll stick around to make sure. The booster club president, Mrs. McClure... ...had been fluttering around the basket boys... ...fixing ties and giving them last-minute instructions... But now, suddenly, she was slamming her gavel on the podium, calling into the microphone, If you'll all settle down, we're ready to begin. I'd never seen 600 kids quiet down so fast. I guess Mrs. McClure hadn't either, because she smiled and said, Why, thank you! Thank you very much! Then she said, And welcome to the 52nd annual Basket Boy Auction. I know that your teachers have gone over the procedures with you in homeroom. But I've been asked to remind you of a few things. This is a civilized proceeding. No whistling, catcalls, or other degrading behavior will be tolerated. If you wish to place a bid, you must raise your hand high. Bidding without raising your hand is prohibited, and should you decide to be a funny guy, you will be caught and detained or suspended. Are we all clear on that? Good. She looked from one side of the gym to the other. Teachers, I see that you are in position. Six hundred heads turned slowly from side to side, looking at the blockade of teachers on either side of the gym. Man, Darla whispered, they're not leaving much room for fun, are they? Mrs. McClure continued, Minimum bid is ten dollars, and of course, the sky's the limit, but we don't accept IOUs. She pointed to her right. "'Winning bidders should go directly to the table at the north door "'when I declare the basket to be sold. "'And as you're aware, winners and their basket boys "'have the rest of the school day off "'and are exempt from tonight's homework in all classes.' "'She smiled out at the blockade. "'Teachers, we appreciate your support on this.' "'All right, then.' "'She put on her reading glasses and looked at a three-by-five card.' Our first basket has been brought by Jeffrey Bishop. She looked over her glasses at him and said, Come on up, Jeffrey. Don't be shy. He inched forward as she continued, Jeffrey has brought a scrumptious lunch consisting of chicken salad sandwiches, oriental noodles, baby grapes, iced tea, and fortune cookies. She smiled at him over her glasses. "'Sounds delicious and sounds like fun. "'Which,' she said, looking back at the crowd, "'Jeffrey is. "'He enjoys skateboarding, skiing and swimming. "'But, ladies, he also enjoys a day in the park "'and watching Humphrey Bogart movies.' "'She turned to him and grinned. "'They are a kick, aren't they?' "'Poor Jeff tried to smile, but you could tell "'he wanted to die.' All right, then, said Mrs. McClure as she whipped off her glasses. Do I hear ten? Not only did she hear ten, she heard twelve, fifteen, twenty, and twenty-five, too. Going, going, gone, cried Mrs. McClure to the young lady in the purple tunic. Who's that? I asked Darla. I think her name's Tiffany, she said. She's a seventh grader. Really? Wow. I would never have bid last year. And I... I don't remember bids going up that high either. Darla eyed me. Which tells me that maybe you would bid this year? How much you got? I looked at her. And almost dissolved right on the spot. Darla... I didn't bring money on purpose. My neighbor made me take it on the way to school because she owed it to me for eggs and... For eggs? Oh, like Bryce was talking about in the library? Exactly. And... I looked at her looking at me and stopped cold. How can you even think about bidding on that boy? I don't want to, but I've liked him for so long. Darla... I've liked him since I was seven. And even though I know he's a coward and a sneak, and I should never speak to him again, I'm having trouble focusing on that. Especially since Shelley Stalls is after him. And now I've got this money burning a hole in my pocket. Well, I can understand the bit about Shelley Stalls, but if you know that boy's just a big piece of fluffy cheesecake that you're gonna regret eating, I can help you with your diet, she put out her hand. Give me the money. I'll hold it for you. No. No? I mean, I can handle this. I've got to handle it. She shook her head. Oh, girl, I'm hurting for you here. I looked back at the stage. The auction was happening so fast. They'd be at Bryce in no time. As the bidding continued, the battle in my head got louder and fiercer. What was I going to do? Then, suddenly, the gym fell quiet. You could have heard a pin drop. And standing next to Mrs. McClure, looking completely mortified, was John Trulock. Mrs. McClure was scouring the crowd with her eyes, looking very uncomfortable, too. ''What happened?'' I whispered to Darla. ''No one's bidding,'' she whispered back. ''Do I hear ten? called Mrs. McClure. ''Come on out there! This lunch is delicious! Strawberry tarts, roast beef, and Munster cheese sandwiches!'' ''Oh, no!'' I whispered to Darla. I can't believe I did this to him. You? What did you do? I voted for him. Well, you couldn't have been the only one. But why isn't anyone bidding on him? He's... he's so nice. Darla nodded. Exactly. That's when I realized what I had to do. My hand shot into the air and I called, Ten... Ten? warbled Mrs. McClure. Did I hear ten? I put my hand up higher and said to Darla, say twelve. What? Say twelve. I'll outbid you. No way. Darla, he can't go for ten. Come on. Twelve? Darla called, but her hand didn't go up very high. Fifteen? I cried. Sixteen? Called Darla and eyed me with a laugh. I whispered, Darla, I've only got 15. Her eyes got enormous. I laughed and called, 18! Then held her arm down and said, But that really is all I've got. There was a moment of silence and then, 18 going once, 18 going twice. Sold for $18. Darla laughed and said, Whoa, girl, what a rush. I nodded. Yes, it was. Well, no dessert for you. Looks like you got cleaned out by something a little more, uh, nutritious. She nodded toward the stage. You gonna go up to the table like you're supposed to? Or are you gonna stick around and see the carnage? I almost didn't have a choice. Before Mrs. McClure could say two words about Bryce or his basket, Shelley called ten. Then from the middle of the gym came twenty. It was Miranda Humes with her hand way in the air. They went back and forth, back and forth, higher and higher, until Shelley called sixty-two. I can't believe it. I whispered to Darla. Sixty-two dollars. Come on, Miranda. Come on. I think she's out. shelley has got it. Sixty-two dollars going once, cried Mrs. McClure. But before she could say going twice, a voice from the back of the gym called, A hundred. Everyone gasped and turned around to see who had called the bid. Darla whispered, It's Jenny. Atkinson? I asked. Darla pointed. Right over there. She was easy to spot, standing tall above the others in the number seven basketball jersey she almost always wore. Wow, I whispered. I had no idea. Maybe she'll slam dunk him for you, Darla said with a grin. Who cares? I giggled. She slammed dunked Shelley. Mrs. McClure was gushing into the microphone about the record-breaking bid when a big commotion broke out over by Miranda. I spotted Shelley's hair and my first thought was that there was going to be a fight. But instead, Shelley and Miranda turned to face Mrs. McClure and called 12250. I choked down a cry. What? They're teaming up, Darla whispered. Oh, no, no, no. I looked over Jenny's way. Come on, Jenny. Darla shook her head and said, She's through. And she was. Bryce went to Shelly and Miranda for $122.50. It was a little strange meeting up with John and walking over to the multi-purpose room for lunch. But he was just so nice, and I think grateful that I'd bid, that by the time we got situated at our table, I wasn't feeling so awkward or silly. It was just lunch. Things would have been easier if they hadn't seated me in direct view of Bryce and his little harem. But I did my best to ignore them. John told me all about this radio-controlled airplane that he and his dad were building from scratch and how he'd been working on it for nearly three months and that over the weekend, they were finally going to get to try it out. He told me a funny story about soldering the wires wrong and practically starting a fire in their basement. And I asked him about how a radio-controlled airplane works because I didn't really understand it. So I'd relaxed a lot, and was actually having a good time eating lunch with John. And I was so relieved that I hadn't bid on Bryce. What a fool I would have made of myself. Watching Shelley and Miranda fawning all over him didn't bother me nearly as much as I thought it would. Really, they looked ridiculous. John asked about my family, so I was telling him about my brothers and their band. When a huge commotion broke out over at Bryce's table suddenly Shelley and Miranda were rolling on the floor like an enormous fur ball smearing each other with food out of nowhere Bryce appeared at our table he grabbed my hand pulled me a few feet away and whispered "Do you like him?" I was stunned he held my other hand and asked again, Do you like him? You mean John? Yes. I can't remember what I said. He was looking into my eyes, holding my hands tight, and then he began pulling me toward him. My heart was racing, and his eyes were closing, and his face was coming toward mine. Right there in front of all the other basket boys and their dates and the adults. He was going to kiss me. To kiss me. I panicked. I'd been waiting all my life for that kiss. And now? I yanked free and ran back to my table. And when I sat down, John whispered, Did he just try to kiss you? I turned my chair away from Bryce and whispered, Can we please talk about something else? Anything else? People were whispering and looking my way. And when Shelley Stalls came back from cleaning up in the washroom, everyone fell quiet. Her hair looked awful. It was sort of oiled to her scalp and still had little chunks of food in it. She glared at me so hard it looked like she was trying to get laser beams to shoot from her eyes. A couple of adults steered her back to her seat, and then everyone started whispering double speed. And Bryce didn't even seem to care. He kept trying to come over and talk to me, but either he'd get intercepted by a teacher or I'd dash away from him before he had a chance to say anything. When the dismissal bell finally rang, I said a quick goodbye to John and bolted out the door. I couldn't reach my bike fast enough. I was the first one off campus and I pedaled home so hard it felt as though my lungs would burst. Mrs. Steuby was out front watering her flower bed, and she tried to say something to me, but I just dropped my bike in the driveway and escaped into the house. I certainly didn't want to talk about roosters. My mother heard me slamming doors and came to check on me in my room. "'Juliana, what's wrong?' I flipped over on my bed to face her and wailed. I'm so confused. I don't know what to think or feel or do. She sat down beside me on the bed and stroked my hair. Tell me what happened, sweetheart. I hesitated then threw my hands up in the air. He tried to kiss me. My mother struggled not to let it show. But underneath her composed expression was a growing smile she leaned in a little and asked who did price she hesitated but you've always liked him the doorbell rang and rang again my mom started to get up but i grabbed her arm and said don't get that the bell rang again And almost right after that, there was a loud knocking at the door. Mom, please, don't get it. That's probably him. But, sweetheart, I was over him. Completely over him. Since when? Since last Friday, after the dinner. If he'd vanished from the face of the earth after our dinner at the Loskies, I wouldn't have cared. Why? Did something happen at the dinner that I don't know about? I threw myself back onto my pillow and said, It's too complicated, Mom. I I just can't talk about it. My, she said after a moment, Don't you sound like a teenager. I'm sorry, I whimpered, because I knew I was hurting her feelings. I sat up and said, Mom, all those years I liked him, I never really knew him. All I knew was that he had the most beautiful eyes I'd ever seen, and that his smile melted my heart like the sun melts butter. But now I know that inside he's a coward and a sneak, so I've got to get over what he's like on the outside. My mother leaned back and crossed her arms. Well, she said, isn't this something? What do you mean? she chewed the side of one cheek, then moved over to chew the other. At last, she said, I shouldn't really discuss it. Why not? Because... I just shouldn't. Besides, I can tell there are things you don't feel comfortable discussing with me. We stared at each other a moment, neither of us saying a word. Finally... I looked down and whispered. When Chet and I were fixing up the yard, I told him how we didn't own the house and about Uncle David. He must have told the rest of the family, because the day before the Losky's dinner party, I overheard Bryce and his friend making cracks about Uncle David at school. I was furious, but I didn't want you to know because you'd think they were only inviting us over because they felt sorry for us. I looked at her and said, you just seemed so happy about being invited for dinner. Then I realized something. And you know, you've seemed happier ever since. She held my hand and smiled. I have a lot to be happy about. Then she sighed and said, and I already knew they knew about Uncle David. It was fine that you talked about him. He's not a secret or anything. I sat up a little. Wait. How did you know? Patsy told me. I blinked at her. She did? Before the dinner? No, no. After. She hesitated, then said, Patsy's been over several times this week. She's... She's going through a very rough time. How come? Mom let out a deep breath and said, I think you're mature enough to keep this inside these four walls, and I'm only telling you because, because I think it's relevant. I held my breath and waited. Patsy and Rick have been having ferocious fights lately. Mr. and Mrs. Losky, What about? Mom sighed. Uh, About everything, it seems. I don't understand. Very quietly, my mother said, for the first time in her life, Patsy is seeing her husband for what he is. It's 20 years and two children late, but that's what she's doing. She gave me a sad smile. Patsy seems to be going through the same thing you are. The phone rang, and Mom said, Let me get that, okay? Your dad said he'd call if he was working overtime, and that's probably him. While she was gone, I remembered what Chet had said about someone he knew who had never learned to look beneath the surface. Had he been talking about his own daughter? And how could this happen to her after 20 years of marriage? When my mother came back, I absently asked, is dad working late? That wasn't dad, sweetheart. It was Bryce. I sat straight up. Now he's calling? I've lived across the street from him for six years and he's never once called me. Is he doing this because he's jealous? Jealous of whom? So I gave her the blow-by-blow, beginning with Mrs. Steuby going clear through Darla, the auction, the furball fight, and ending with Bryce trying to kiss me in front of everybody. She clapped her hands and positively giggled. Mom, it's not funny. She tried to straighten up. I know, sweetheart, I know. I don't want to wind up like Mrs. Lasky. "'You don't have to marry the boy, Juliana. "'Why don't you just listen to what he has to say? "'He sounded desperate to talk to you. "'What could he possibly have to say? "'He's already tried to blame Garrett for what he said about Uncle David, "'and I'm sorry, but I don't buy it. "'He's lied to me. He hasn't stood up for me. "'He's hes nobody that I want to like.'" I just need some time to get over all those years of having liked him. Mom sat there for the longest time, biting her cheek. Then she said, People do change, you know? Maybe he's had some revelations lately, too. And frankly, any boy who tries to kiss a girl in front of a room full of other kids doesn't sound like a coward to me. She stroked my hair. ...and whispered, "...maybe there's more to Bryce Lasky than you know." Then, she left me alone with my thoughts. My mother knew I needed time to think, but Bryce wouldn't leave me alone. He kept calling on the phone and knocking on the door. He even snuck around the house and tapped on my window. Every time I turned around, there he was, pestering me. I wanted to be able to water the yard in peace. I wanted not to have to avoid him at school or have Darla run block for me. Why didn't he understand that I wasn't interested in what he had to say? What could he possibly have to say? Was it so much to ask just to be left alone? Then this afternoon i was reading a book in the front room with the curtains drawn hiding from him as i had all week when i heard a noise in the yard i peeked outside and there was bryce walking across my grass stomping all over my grass and he was carrying a spade what was he planning to do with that I flew off the couch and yanked open the door and ran right into my father. Stop him, I cried. Calm down, Juliana, he said, and eased me back inside. I gave him permission. Permission? Permission to do what? I flew back to the window. He's digging a hole. That's right. I told him he could. But why? I think the boy has a very good idea, that's why. But it's not going to kill your grass, Juliana. Just let him do what he's come to do. But what is it? What's he doing? Watch, you'll figure it out. It was torture seeing him dig up my grass. The hole he was making was enormous. How could my father let him do this to my yard? Bryce knew I was there, too, because he looked at me once and nodded. No smile, no wave, just a nod. He dragged over some potting soil, pierced the bag with the spade, and shoveled dirt into the hole. Then he disappeared. And when he came back, he wrestled a big burlapped root ball across the lawn, the branches of a plant rustling back and forth as he moved. My dad joined me on the couch and peeked out the window, too. A tree? I whispered. He's planting a tree? I'd help him, but he says he has to do this himself. Is it a... The words stuck in my throat. I didn't really need to ask, though and he knew he didn't need to answer. I could tell from the shape of the leaves, from the texture of the trunk. This was a sycamore tree. I flipped around on the couch and just sat. A sycamore tree. Bryce finished planting the tree, watered it, cleaned everything up, and then went home. And I just sat there, not knowing what to do. I've been sitting here for hours now, just staring out the window at the tree. It may be little now, but it'll grow day by day. And a hundred years from now, it'll reach clear over the rooftops. It'll be miles in the air. Already, I can tell. It's going to be an amazing, magnificent tree. And I can't help wondering, a hundred years from now, will a kid climb it the way I climbed the one up on Collier Street? Will she see the things I did? Will she feel the way I did? Will it change her life the way it changed mine? I also can't stop wondering about Bryce. What has he been trying to tell me? What's he thinking about? I know he's home because he looks out his window from time to time. A little while ago, he put his hand up and waved. And I couldn't help it. I gave a little wave back. So, maybe I should go over there and thank him for the tree. Maybe we could sit on the porch and talk. It just occurred to me that in all the years we've known each other, We've never done that. Never really talked. Maybe my mother's right. Maybe there is more to Bryce Lasky than I know. Maybe it's time to meet him in the proper light.